When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Too Much Movie, a podcast where we dive into especially 90s movies that are simply too much. And the case is closed. It's finished. Over. Go to lunch. Hey, you, Chris Candy, go to lunch. Rob Belushi, go to lunch. The case is closed. Everyone get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. The case is fucking closed. Copland, James Mangold's movie is simply too much. But just across the river lies a quiet town called Garrison, New Jersey, where New York's finest return home. The hero cop, unwilling to trust the system, jumps from the George Washington Bridge. Today, he is laid to rest here in the cemetery at Garrison, New Jersey. So what brings you to our fair city? I heard it was a way of life out here. Thought I'd check it out for myself. Where are we, uh, like the Amish now? It's a place where the sheriff wears the badge, but the cops own the town. My jurisdiction ends at the George Washington Bridge, but half the men I watch live beyond that bridge, where no one's watching. I'm watching. Affected the sheriff of Copland. He always dreamed of becoming one of them. I'd like you to meet Sheriff Freddie Heffler. Freddie's a hell of a guy. Well, you should call me. But now, he has uncovered something that could force him to choose between protecting his idols and upholding the law. Babbage isn't dead, you know it and I know it. Do you have any idea how connected he is? It's over. The case is closed. You butt head with these friends of ours? You're gonna come at them head on? I offered you a chance to be a cop and you blew it! Being right is not a bulletproof vest, Freddy! What are you gonna do, Sheriff? You gonna arrest the whole town? Everybody's watching you, Freddy. Sylvester Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, and Robert De Niro. Copland. Gentlemen, welcome back to Too Much Movie. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me about this underrated, very twisty crime thriller from 1997. How the hell are you both? We got a man over the GW, man. <laughs> is this the stink of a criminal act or is this a turd in a bag? Oh. Guys, this this Me movie is so- not a bulletproof vest, Freddie. 
So let me give a little backstory on like how we stumbled on this one. Obviously, like there is some kind of like organic chemistry that goes on behind the selection of these movies. Mm. Um, even this podcast was kind of put together organically. This one came to be during my uh, COVID-19 bout. I was uh, down for the count for about 10 days and just uh, ripping through movies I hadn't seen. And Copland showed up in the queue. And it, uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of movies during my COVID uh, time. And Copland was the only one uh, that had my attention from beginning to end. Didn't look it at the cut phone. Cut through the virus. Cut through the virus. Has that ability. It, it, it is so potent. And um, this movie, and on top of it too, I had poor viewing uh, capabilities. I was watching it on a laptop with headphones. Uh, didn't have a good TV, you know. And this Your movie COVID just... sounds like my COVID, Chris. When I did my COVID, I just sat down. I put a laptop in my bed. I was locked in our bedroom. I yeah. just watched things. And it just most of it just like was through a yeah. haze, a fog. But it's so funny that Copland cut through. Copland cut through in a very heavy way, transported me. I was in that city in Jersey. Um, I, I I greatly appreciated so many things about it. So I'm just so excited to talk about it today with you guys. Rob? Oh, my God. When you said first watch Copland, Blake and I were <laughs> like, oh, my God, we're doing Copland next. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool because it was the same thing with Last Boy Scout. You guys have this kind of upper hand in regards to these great movies that I've just been able to watch for the first time. So now I've seen it twice. Definitely have some really big things to say about it. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just, I, God damn, man. I, I'll just say this because I'm going to say it a bunch of times, but Stallone just fucking delivers in the most beautiful way. This top line Love cast. It. This top line cast. So if you, if, I mean, if you need a refresher about what Copland is about, a sheriff played by Sylvester Stallone is, uh, is in a suburban New Jersey community, which is exclusively populated by, New York City police officers, and he starts to discover that a land full of cops um, it can be incredibly corrupt. Harvey Keitel plays Ray Donlan, who's the kind of orchestrator of this thing, and he starts to have these mob connections. Gary Figgis, played by Ray Liotta, is in town, who's kind of in with Donlan's crew, but then is not. And then Robert De Niro plays Mo Tilden, who has to come in and investigate when... Um, one of uh, Ray Donlan's crew, played by Michael Rappaport, Murray Babich, his nephew, uh, looks to take a mysterious dive off the George Washington Bridge, but no one believes that that's actually true. And man, this movie is so good. The top line cast, just think of those names in 97. Stallone, Cartel, Liotta, De Niro. That's just the first four. And you go to the next line, it's like Peter Berg, Robert Patrick, Janine Garofalo, um, Noah Emmerich, John Spencer. Um, you've also got Frank Vincent of Goodfellas fame, Kathy Moriarty, Annabelle Sciorra, like James Mangold, man. And I think this is the funny time for you to come to Copland because it's just like two days ago, the Indiana Jones and the Dollar Destiny comes out and it's just like, this right. is the arc of this guy's career. He's made really super personal movies like Copland. He's made you know, Ford versus Ferrari and, and, uh, uh, Walk Logan, the line. Logan, Walk he did the Logan. Line. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's now like one of the biggest filmmakers in the world. This is going to be even bigger, but I can't get enough of this movie. Oh my God. You can see his ability to direct actors and, and, and command uh, a script right from the outset. 
I remember when I remember very, I mean, we have that edge that Chris was talking about. It's the only time our years give us an edge on Chris Candy because we were in our formidable years when, you know, very uh, organically we picked the nineties, but I remember when the first time I saw this trailer, I was 16 years old and it was like one of the most exciting things I'd ever seen with all these actors. I had right. been, I mean, you look at it, it's like a, a red yarn, um, you know, detectives wall of Martin Scorsese actors, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, Kaitel and De Niro from um, uh, Taxi Driver, Keitel, or De Niro and Kathy Mariarty from uh, Raging Bull, uh, Frank Vincent, like you said, it's so it was so exciting to me, and I was so excited to see it, and it it hit me so hard, and and you know I just wanted to start by saying two things: rewatching these movies with you guys has been a different and more like participatory movies watching experience than I think I had given these movies as I was a younger person, even the movies that I've rewatched that have been in my kind of queue of, I love these movies. I know I love these movies. I get on the ride and just am delighted to, to, it's just been a more specific and invigorating and, and kind of impactful viewing experience because of you guys. So I want to say thanks up top for that, for giving me a reason to really fully participate. And the other thing, besides all the amazing actors, which we left out, Paul Calderon, who oh, is mm, incredible, mm-hmm. Got, mm-hmm. always, always good. Um, in his two little scenes. But um, God, he's so good at being That's over good. it. But, um, you know, I, I read a thing that Priscilla Page wrote uh, about this being a real Western, which I really loved. And that ah. kind of overshadowed my you this time and most poignantly that the town of garrison new jersey which is where most of this takes place you know at first and and uh stallone says you know i don't i don't really like what i see in this town anymore and you know we keep our eyes shut and our mouths closed in this town and like uh what was really impactful for me specifically on this watch was the town of garrison being a literal garrison against this perceived kind of conservative view of crime from the city uh, of Manhattan. But what it ends up being is a garrison to those living inside it, right? It becomes a cell and it it becomes the, the sheriff's amazing journey of slow and listless to fast and purposeful um, to break, to break the garrison free. And so many like the, Hit when Noah Emmerich leaves and Janet Garofalo leaves the, the the sheriff station. It, it's like very serious, real Bravo vibes. At the end, that amazing, interesting gunfight, but also like very clearly, Stallone pulls on Robert Patrick in a very obvious draw. You know, there's just like mm-hmm. a lot of besides him being a sheriff, you know, a beat down sheriff and all that stuff. So I really loved tracing that metaphor um, through this time. Yeah, it, it it's funny you say that because it does have a Western feel. It has a small town feel. I think one of the things that was so compelling to me about the film um, and interesting to me about the film was it was this little village that was outside of the big city and all the action was going on there. And mm-hmm. again, I bring this up in this pod often, but 
I just, I love it when a movie makes me feel like I'm at the ace bar. I'm at mm. these spots. I'm hanging out. Stealing of... from a parking meter to keep playing a video oh. game. <laughs> yeah. Just... You know, I, I like hanging out with Stallone and, and, and Ray Liotta, you know, in Stallone's apartment, you know, overlooking the city. I, I just, I really, I really felt like I was a part of, you know, living in Garrison, kind of watching this thing take place. And we'll get to that final gunshot or the gun battle scene at the very end. But that scene feels very much like a Western. And and like so, a lot of Westerns, you would show up on the train with the on horseback into the town. You see the barkeep, the saloon, all those elements definitely are there in, in watching this movie. And so that that's so true. And, and it's actually an interesting parallel to Logan because Logan very much feels like a Western when you're watching it too. And there is a few references to that one film in, in that movie actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really interested to talk more about this. Um, and uh, you know, it, it has some, it, it might have again, one of the greatest De Niro one liners in the history. It, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's definitely in his top 10 for sure. But when I heard it, it was definitely a De Niro, uh, soundboard uh clip that you would have if you needed to have de niro if you're pranking people with de niro uh clips like on jerky boys you'd have this <laughs> line there for sure well and 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 coming back like we're all none of us are teenagers anymore and that line besides being absolutely fucking incredible de niro <laughs> and an amazing point in the movie like that line hits so much differently now that we're older right yes I gave you a chance to be a cop and you blew it. You blew it. It hits you because yeah. now you see all those all those chances you had, those fulcrum moments in your life. Mm -hmm. and you can think back and 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 say, I'll never get those back. Or I should have done zigged when I should have zagged, or I had a chance to do this thing or that thing, and it withers away into the dust of history and you are sat, you know in your Instagram world, you know, watching yeah. a 25 year old so true. yoga instructor telling you to be grateful for breathing. <laughs> and you're like, I had a chance and I and blew it. You blew it. You blew it. My hands are tied now. My hands are tied now. My hands are tied now. If this cupcake makes a mess, now, we got a case. Me down. You <laughs> shut me down. <laughs> and the other thing about being there with everyone, Chris, which you so aptly put is like, there, there are three, three moments where I was like, Oh my God, I'm there. That's when he, with the lettuce coming out of oh, yeah. sandwich while he's eating during that scene, that whole yeah. scene. The other, the other two things are like, if you grew up in the nineties and your parents or their, or their friends smoke, when Ray Liotta's pointing to Tully's picture and he's got his big lighter in his hand while he's pointing. Uh -huh. And when, and when <laughs> Annabella Ciara shows up at Freddie's house later with two packs of cigarettes in her hand, because like my mother always bought two packs at the yeah. same time. I was like, this guy, I mean, we're, <laughs> I'm there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Ray Liotta's, the style in this movie also reminded me a, a lot of like the wardrobe selection was really unique. Oversized shirts, really baggy pants. Yeah. Uh, Ray Liotta's kind of deadbeatness kept on giving me parallels to my dad's character in Cool Runnings. Um, uh, like, uh, you know, like just this well, oversized shirt and this no, kind of like the hair and this baggy kind of deadbeat. That's the sly character. This is the other thing about singledom, yes. late life singledom and time. We'll get to that. Yeah. By. And we're here but now. It's, but, but even just that, the fact that he basically sleeps on his couch, listening to Springsteen records, because 
Oh. I know there's like a weird thing that happens in my house. I don't know if it's the same as you guys, but my wife is out or the kids are out or I'm at home. I don't like sleep in my bed. I end up crashing on the couch, watching a movie. Like sometimes I almost fall asleep. It's in so chair. funny. I, I don't even go to bed. So like now that I'm getting older, I'm like, oh, that's, that hits so hard. Cause that's what my life would be like. Like I wouldn't be upstairs making sure that I was close to the kids and in bed with my wife. I'd just be on the couch having fallen asleep, watching Copland again or something, and then go to sleep and then wake up. And now it's morning and I guess I get back to work, but it's that just whole, like you don't see until, until, um, uh, figures, um, is in his house. You don't even see him going to his bedroom. He's just Never. like there. And it's such a, just a tiny detail. And I want to quickly shout out before we jump into our two favorite scenes, Priscilla's a great writer, friend of the show, um, a friend of our, uh, particularly our little game night crew that Rob and I frequent, but I love what she wrote about this being a Western. And if there's any tag that I can have on it, it's great thing about Westerns is their tensions between, you know, progressive sort of ideology of like, we have to keep and maintain things. We have to maintain this order. We have to maintain this structure. We have to maintain this thing. And usually the best Westerns talk about where something blows into town and things are going to change, you know, whether it's a Mangold movie, like, um, uh, uh, like Russell Crowe, um, uh, and Christian Bale's like 310 to Yuma, you know, like a, a character blows into town, things happen, or whether it's like unforgiven characters blow into town, things change the whole hierarchy of the town changes. But what I love is that, he kind of takes that Western idea and when he kind of fuses it with this, this cop idea, you start to see that no wonder Westerns are a genre that people go back to. It's because our whole world's a Western. Every small town's a Western. It's all this sure. fortification of like trying to stop progress and trying to stop things from happening and, or trying to maintain way of life and maintain power and maintain all those things. And so I think it's kind of a genius, uh, genius thing to go like, we're going to get all the characters that have populated Coppola, Scorsese, New York city films. And we're going to show that New York in its own way is this big town that is maintained by this order and maintained by the power structures that run it. And the corruption is rife everywhere. And the way that it lives and breathes is when people aren't looking and when people close their eyes. And I think Stallone as Freddie, he's just the perfect thing. Cause you imagine him, your whole time you're looking at him and you feel disappointed that he's overweight and you feel disappointed that he's not the hero. And it's oh, just God, using it's... his whole career to inform this performance. And it's so sensational that like everything about the way that the movie starts, I think this movie's a miracle. Like I look at it and I'm like, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we and, and you're, you're saying something that's like the Stallone's character based on the, you blew it idea is like, when he says, if I was standing on that bridge again, I wouldn't have saved her. It's just another of those moments of looking at your life and saying, what moments make or break me and I can't get them back. And then what you're saying about the Western, I mean, obviously 310 of Yuma is one of the best Westerns ever made, not even to mention it's a remake. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and which, which is artful that Van Heflin is in 310 of Yuma. Yes. And Sylvester's name is Freddie Heflin, which yeah. I thought was crazy. <laughs> Interesting. But um, maybe that's too far outside. But but what you're saying never too about far out, Rob, never too deep. Yeah, that that the garrison know. or or the outpost is where 
law and order is its most tenuous, but also where there is the most agency because it is outside of these structural and corruptible legions of force of the state or the police union, the CDA, whatever. And what's so sad is Freddie is, you know, letting it go just unchecked. And that Donlin's crew, even though they are, quote, law enforcement, the actual mapping onto the Western genre is so clear here. Because just like in Westerns, it's often the giant rancher or landowner who is corrupt and uh, villainous. And here, Donlin and his crew are the literal landowners. The fact that they own the land is what made them corrupt. So it all works so well. Well, let's let's take a quick break and then dive in to our two favorite scenes. And as we do on Too Much Movie, we go to our two favorite scenes, we go to our two favorite performances, we go to our two favorite quotes, but we have a special for you guys, almost like as an early Christmas present, late Thanksgiving present, happy Hanukkah present too, I guess. It's, we are going to do a scene that is too much, starring (laughs) Rob Belushi, and Chris Candy, we're going to get to that a little bit later. I'm the most excited about that this week. Um, so let's have a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about our two favorite scenes. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. All right, here we are. It is like when I was going back through last night and this morning, I took a bunch of notes on a, a recent reviewing. I've been, I've actually got my hands on mangled script for our, for us talking. And I, I'm finding it almost harder than ever before to tell what my favorite scenes are in yeah. this. Like I can't, it's so hard this time around. Chris, Rob, are either of you close on what your favorite scene is? Yeah, I, I think I could do it because this is a movie where like there were just two and and since I haven't um dwelled on it as much as you guys have cuz we've seen it so many times there are two scenes that just really set up the movie for me and also um just complete the movie for me and and that would be the first intro scene when you meet Stallone in the bar They hired this local hero to be their sheriff, a wannabe who couldn't get on the force on account of his bad ear. So this Armenian guy is from the other side over there. He tells her that she's dead, right? She's going to be dead by morning. Right. So he drops this box off at her place, right? I'm going to call you guys. Call Bob right. Squad. Mm-hmm. We go in there. We x-ray it on scene. And uh, we can't see anything in there. Right. So uh, I cut a little hole in it. I can see there's something in there. Uh-huh. 
I, uh, I see that there's, uh, there's some white fuzz, there's something pink, I can't figure out what it is. Suddenly I realize I am looking at a tongue. Oh, shit. Big fat tongues. No way. Out of me. Yes, yes. The guy put a goat's head in there. This at the end of the 20th century. <laughs> I mean, H.G. Wells, he'd turn over in his grave to think at the start of a new millennium, some Iranian guy Armenian. Would be, uh, Armenian guy. Some Armenian would be delivering a goat's head to the door of the woman that he loves. Well, I mean, people are... Backward culture over there. <laughs> Let me tell you that we're all backwards, Berta. You know, our machines are all modern and shit, but our minds... Our minds are primitive. Mm. Our minds are primitive, Berta. Hey. Come on, baby. All right, wait, I'm just waiting on the call, okay? No, Come no, here. no, I, 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 I gotta pick up the car, you know, I, this Monica, is not... sit down. You have no authority. And you get that this, it, it's such a great storytelling moment where there is a lot of information being told um, that is going to service as a B story, um, but you're also getting so much information about uh, the, uh, sorry, Stallone's character. Um, you know, you get so much info from Freddie. Uh, he's playing pinball, you know, and he's mm-hmm. just in this dumpy outfit. And they're talking about the cop bar, the ace. And and there's this two there's two pieces of story getting told to you. You're going to get told this story about this arson situation that's going to happen with uh, Fig, uh, Gary Figgis's character, Ray Liotta's character. And then you're also getting this huge piece of information about this pinball guy. <laughs> you know, you know, he goes outside to get quarters to you know feed his pinball machine and i just i i loved that scene so much because i was just like it, it and this leads into why i think you know stallone is my favorite character in this movie because i was so shocked at how pathetic he was when i watched it the character was just so sad and he's the sheriff of this town and you said it perfectly um blake his whole past body of work is being used as a tool in the casting to make you want to go what the fuck are you doing dude (laughs) what the fuck come on where's rocky you know where's rambo and stallone just is this he reminded me we'll get into the character later but stallone had this character on saturday night live where he played the owner an employee at a uh, a fry's electronics or an electronics (laughs) store and he kept on talking about working at an orange julius where he used to work in the mall and it's Will Ferrell and Sylvester Stallone and Stallone's like doing that character in this Copland character, this really subtle, sad uh, guy. And you just see it all in the setup. I love scenes where I just feel like I'm there. Yeah. Cause Chris, you're, you're saying so many great things. Like, first of all, what I forget if it's Ray or Mo Tilden who, who I think it's Mo who tells Freddie later, I'm sorry to woken you from your slumber. Yes. Right. Because <laughs> Freddie, when we meet him is asleep, but he is noticing Edie Falco's yes. uh, surreptitious bag transition to Gary Figgis at the top. He is seeing things. He's just choosing to be, to stay asleep and he tries to do the right way. Right. It's such a metaphor. He tries to get change. And when that doesn't work, he goes out and is corrupt, right? He steals from the state with the quarters, but his attempt at corruption is, you know, ill-handed. The quarters fall all over his uh, hands, and it is revealed that he is wearing like fucking pl- little tiny, ridiculous plastic sandals. Yes. Out, <laughs> his footing is unsure, and it's such a it's a it's marvelous costuming. It, it's marvelous storytelling, like you said, and um, I it, 
this the story is very much this somnambulist awakening and yes it's incredible well it just leads into that that follow-up scene is he's driving home drunk and then he hits a deer and then the deer you know it, it's very symbolic but he's beginning to be awoken and yeah. you know he spends the whole movie uh you know chasing the super cop you know and, and so it's like um was that it super cop was that uh what's his name's character super boy super yeah. boy i said one. super cop on our uh yeah on our whatsapp that's right super boy rapaport yeah. who's another great character but yeah i just i i was so shocked and i remember i was watching it with my girlfriend ryan and she was she said he's the sheriff when he got in the cop car <laughs> again just such like it's such a good reveal and going into that movie so fresh and not knowing anything um i posted a photo of of uh sly and and everyone was going oh i love it when the when the tough guy plays a weak boy you yeah. know it's oh. it's just it's such a ugh, but the toughest it's like yeah. this is why copland is got a closer relationship almost to Unforgiven, which I mentioned before, than like a normal cop movie. Because like the best thing ever, one of my favorite scenes of all time, and we may get to it on this show eventually, is William Money, Clint Eastwood, trying to get onto a horse and falling off numerous mm -hmm. times at the beginning of Unforgiven. You're like, huh? High Plains yeah. Drifter can't get on a horse. The man with no name can't get on a horse. What movie am I watching? And immediately... Right it drastically changes your expectations. So if nothing else, whether you've got, you know, Robert De Niro playing an IA officer, whether you've got Harvey Cartel and the cops and all this, like this entire great crew, Pete Berg, you know, um, Rob Patrick, you know, these guys that are all around him. And, but when you see him, it's just like, it just throws you through a loop. You're like, what is this? And it, and you're always expecting like a coiled spring that he's going to do that. He's going to find that he's going to find that in a Rocky or that in a Rambo. And it's still like, the whole movie is him fumbling those quarters. Like once he's got the thing that he needs, it's like this series of fumbles and is he going to take action? And yeah. yeah, it's, it's, I, I just, oh man, such a great scene. I love that scene too. Rob, let's, uh, let's carry the torch to you, my friend. What's another uh, of your faves? Uh, well, God, what a what, favorite scene in a favorite character in, in a movie with a cast list. That's like 25 people long of the best actors working. It's really hard. I'll just say like that this time, the, 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 the you blew it scene to me is the best scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it is. It's incredible. I'm sorry for rushing in like this, but you were right. They tried to kill him, like you said, but he got away. Now he's running through the woods. He's like a scared animal. He's scared. You know what? That we motherfucker should be scared. His uncle got this case closed with one phone call. Look, I'm sorry it took so long for me to come around, but you were right. I couldn't see the truth. Like you said, the evidence, you know, my loyalty, they were confused. They never give you any napkins in this place. What am I supposed to use? You want this? What is this? You came to me, to my town, with all these speeches, and you were talking to me about doing the right thing, and I'm doing the right thing. What's going on? What are you doing? That was like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? What about Babbage? What about him? Fuck him. What about Donlin? Fuck him, too. What about Joey Rendon? 
fell off a building. Let's read the papers. Listen, Sheriff, I'm really sorry to have awoken you from your slumber, but it's over. Hands are tied now. You shut me down. No, no, listen to me. You're IA. That's why I came to you. You can do whatever you want. Remember you came to me and said, you want to be a cop? I'm being a listen cop now. I'm here. I'm I offered you, you a for chance. some help. I need to do something. Listen to I need to do this for listen myself. Listen to me, you the fuck. I offered you a chance when we could have done something. I offered you a chance to be a cop, and you blew it. You blew it. People are all the same. That cupcake makes a mess. We got a case again. The, the stuff with Figsy is incredible. Kaitel's yeah. monologue, where you see, you know, you have the dream of a boy. You know, things aren't, it's black. It's not black and white. It's gray. Like, those are the best scenes. But the two scenes to me that hit me the hardest, and, and let me, uh, three actually, uh, <laughs> and continue to hit me hard, are Paul Calderon saying, hey, man, that's bullshit. I saw you plant that gun and actually step up and make, you know, a so call good. for justice in that moment. Ooh, babe. Hey, you got it. Look at that, huh? We got it. Yo, 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 yo. What the fuck are you doing, man? We found their piece. Found their piece. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that wasn't in there. What do you mean it wasn't in there? It's underneath the floor, man. Bullshit, man. You can't do that. Shut the fuck up. Do what? It was underneath the fucking floor, man. Hey! Hey! Fuck you! Hey! I told you not to do it like this, right? I told you! What you doing? I know. You're Hey, get that Shield away from me. Hey, put it down! Shoot me! Put it down, Chico! Chico, this motherfucker! What? Frankie, what? get me started. What the fuck you I love uh, that. So we see early, yeah, and we see early that it's it's an actor and, uh, you know, a city worker of color kind of responding to this oh, yeah. agro-conservative, racist view of Manhattan, you know, which is then kind of balanced with Method Man, who's amazing. That is another scene that continually uh, breaks my heart, is Berg, a corrupt cop, meeting a terrible, terrible end, which is something my stepdad talks about, actually, because, you know, he was connected and, like, the whole thing is they'll be there for you. You do your time. You keep your mouth shut. You'll have support. And that's a myth, too. Like, that outlaw's mentality, they're not there. No one's there for you. When, you, when you're successful, you got a lot of friends. And when you're right. on the way down, literally, you're all alone. That Peter Berg dying Ugh. breaks my heart. He's an interesting, really interesting character that I, I kind of looked at with different eyes. But the smallest, most poetic, heartbreaking moment to me is all the best girls were taken. Wouldn't matter to me. You know, it's a funny thing when you owe someone your life. 
Why is it you never got married, Freddie? All the best girls are taken. And her gesture, Ugh. Annabella Ciora's gesture, where she puts her hand and thumb over his mouth mm-hmm. and he tilts his head. And it's another one of those how short and long life is at the same time. And that like lugubrious air Ugh. that can splinter yeah. out from past events. You just. It was so, it's so impactful and it never loses its impact when they're alone listening to those Bruce Springsteen records and yeah, it all ties in. And look, the, I'll, I'll leave it with those three, but I, I think it should be said, like looking again now at the women of Copland, right? It's essentially Janine Garofalo, Annabelle Sciorra, and Kathy Moriarty, very totally varied, complicated characters, nuanced, which we see most poignantly when Berg dies and Freddie comes to talk to her about it, lending support. And she is, you know, marriages are complicated, intimate things. You see her snap at him and Maria Moriarty. I mean, it, it's just an interesting view. And I also saw that Deborah Harry was listed in the cast, but maybe she was cut out. Mm, maybe. I don't know. That would have been interesting. But Anyway, that moment to me is like the most heartbreaking moment and, and Berg falling in that fight with Method Man where, you know, you see how small and weak Peter Berg really is. You know, it, it's just, I mean, he is righteous. Like he says, no way, I'm going to support the law. I'm not going to let, let you say I quit. I'm going to keep going after you to my own detriment. And then he falls up right. the, the building because his homeboys don't protect him. Like it's a nice ending for a pretty shitty guy, you know, ultimately. Yeah. he. I mean, that's the great thing that I think Mangold does is that you spend the whole movie absolutely hating Pete Berg. And then you get put in this scene, which is absolutely awful and gut wrenching. And you just feel sickened by every single second of it that you can't help but empathize. Cause it's like, no matter yeah. how much of a shit he is, is he this bad? And that's the great question. Like how bad yeah. is bad? What is bad? what is bad in the context of these guys and what are they, what are they doing? And, you know, is there any saving grace with them? And I think that, that certain characters in some way get these like tiny little moments of redemption. And then in other ways, yeah, in other ways, it's like, no, we need to, we need to gun these mofos down. <laughs> we need to. I thought PDA them. was going to give them a new life, right? Yeah. That's what Peter Berg said. Yeah. Like, and, and you, when offended. you see, and you see, you see Kaiteli could clearly get through the door, but he chooses to lock it, take time yes. to open it up. So there's more time for them to, you know, get upstairs. Like there kills him. Yeah. He kills him. Yeah. Because he saw too much and yeah. it's, and he decided that he had a conscience about what they were doing. Exactly. I yeah. Think, I think for you, Blake, favorite, what about you? Yeah. I think my favorite is, I think, my my favorite is obviously the Mo Tilden scene. So I'll just say that that's my favorite scene in the movie, but it's also the coda of the scene. It's like, now let's see what he does. You know, like, <laughs> like uh-huh. after, after that, it's like, it's not just the, you blow it. It's like his partner looks at him no. and it's like, man, you're pretty harsh. And he goes, now let's see what happens. You know, now let's see. Well, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> now let's see if he it, does it, something. 
that cupcake makes a mess. We got a case again. <laughs> yep. That cupcake made. Yep. That's the, I think it's the whole saying like people do the, you blew it. And that's all, obviously it has the emotional resonance and the power, but like this cupcake makes a mess. We got a case again. Like that's What's, that. I love that. It speaks to the power of the character too. He's, you know, he's so smart. So he's going to motivate this guy. He's, it's almost like he anticipated him coming back and he was kind of interviewing him when he was talking, but he didn't say anything. Yes. He makes that mistake. We got a case again. You know, it's like he was using him in that moment too. Again, it's just like, it's a very cool story scene to push this thing along. Um, and Oh my God. And and he's like, it, oh. I offered you a chance when, when you could, when we could have done something, I offered you a chance to be a cop. And he's reminding him of like, this is a fulcrum point. And, but also Mo Tilden's other two scenes, like when he comes into the, like the corner store and he kind of just chats up uh, Ray Conlon Mm-hmm. When he exits, he like doesn't say he says see you around or something, and then he just looks at them like all de Niro, and it's so <laughs> like incredibly surgically uh unspokenly aggressive. And also yeah. the, the the first scene in the sheriff's office where Tilden's kind of leading him through the moral argument of well, why can't these guys just go and create something safe for them? They're they're fighting lawlessness in a in a high crime city. What's so bad about a bunch of people caring about their families? And what children kind of educates us with with Freddie is like these guys are criminals. Yes. And they're taking advantage of a system that they're supposed to uphold. And in so doing, the, the the line keeps getting moved further and further and further right. to the murder of their friends in the jail cell to continue, you know, which you, you see play out. And it's, it's not just, why can't they take care of their families? The, and that comes to my second scene, Rob, which is the figsy scene where he has the big breakdown in the bar. Cleansing. Del, Del, let me have another beer. Gotta go, Freddie. Thanks for schools and sessions. See you later. No one wants to get involved in your personal life, Gary. But just because you're undercover, now that don't mean people aren't watching you. What, 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 what's going on here? I mean, this is fucking bullshit. This is bullshit. What is this, Omerta? Huh? Listen, if I ain't gonna fucking hang me by the balls, it ain't gonna be over some fucking missing evidence. Figsy, you've been a cop 12 years. Six grams missing, it's not a white sauce violation, babe. Come on. Yeah, you bought that big old house, maybe you're trying to get out from under. Hey, Jack. What the fuck's up your ass? Are you gonna tell me you're getting by without gravy, any of you? Listen to me, I was putting out raised fires when you were still sucking on your mama's titty, so just back the fuck off, all right? So what, what do you want? You want to toss me? What? You, you, you can't... Sit down, Gary. No, well, tell me what's going on. This is bullshit. Even better, why don't you get the fuck out? Fuck you, you fucking child. Just back the fuck off. Yeah, well, at least I'm not shacking with no reeking whore. You're supposed to fuck him, Gary, not open up a methadone clinic. <laughs> oh! Hey, 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 Come on, that's too much now. Hey, 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 Gary. Fuck you. You got a problem with me helping a girl in trouble? Huh? 
You got a problem with that? No, you Huh? Fucking humanitarian! You think you're so fucking bad? Oh, God! Come on. Come here, you see this? Look at Tony. You see him? That was my fucking partner. That was a cop! Enough! Let go of him, Figsy. Go home. You all right, Jack? Let me look at Don't shut me out, Ray. You found us a sweet little town, you got us the low interest, and I'm grateful. But don't forget who it was that you came to two years ago to cover your ass. Get him out of here, Freddy! It's not my fault that you can't look at him! You sit in this chair with your back to him, you want it to go away, but I'm still here. In for a penny, in for a pound. Don't shut me out, Ray. And especially because yeah. of the, the the setting and having the pictures of people on the walls. Mm, even yeah. those that have now been betrayed. Yeah, the, the hypocrisy mm. of that scene. It's like, don't you shut me out, Ray. Like that entire sequence, especially is like, it's like you found us this little town. You got us in low interest and I'm grateful. But don't forget who it was that came to you two years ago to cover your ass. Like we are in a very tenuous house of cards here where everyone knows everyone and everyone knows too much. And, and that's, you know, immediately why cartels ray conlon why he has to get rid of her because he's like it's not only that this guy's shagging my wife but if he's if he if he even has a blip of hesitation or potentially is on an, in the inside he's seen too much so he's out like it's instantaneous same with his nephew it's like you're out like if i can't fix your life you're out and so right. i love that scene because it's the most like it's it takes away all the artificiality of this pretend boys club, nice guys, beer sure. at the pub with the boys. This is our happy home. It's like, look at him. I see you can't even look at his photo on the wall, right? Mm -hmm. Sensational. Leota on fire. Well, I have to then kind of get my second scene out because it, it'll kind of period all of this. And it really is that final scene. When you see Stallone walking up the hill, now deaf, uh, not able to hear to get his redemption um, to finally show up without any hearing as the person he's supposed to have been the entire time. It, it makes me cry watching it because oh, um, he's good. so beaten and it is more than just like a shooter scene. It's more than just a gun scene to me. Um, you know, I went to school for sound design. And so when I see a movie where they're, they've got, you know, the director clearly had a cool conversation with the sound designer said, yeah. like, let's do some stuff here. You yes. know, let's mm. let's drop everyone's uh, uh, dialogue down, EQ it. Let's uh, keep a high pitch frequency. Let's find whatever frequency that would be. That is a really well built scene, um, you know, and it's just got a lot of really feel good elements to it. It's got a lot of fear. It's an uncomfortable scene. And then obviously gets to my favorite line, which I'll say till the end of the movie don't blow it for me guys <laughs> but um but it's just it's a perfect scene and, and it, it invokes a lot of emotion in me because you know i think everybody wrestles with that of what we've been talking about of, of time and and making sure we rise to the occasion um and and it's so satisfactory satisfactory when we finally see stallone know what he needs to do yeah and i knew you i knew you would love that scene Mr. Mr. Oral, yeah. Oral, uh, Audio. Oral Euphoria. I know you. I know you love it too. But I, 
it's also it's not just that that it's so cool that it's so perfect for the stakes of the character in that moment so the heightening is everything it's like well if we take his last sense away essentially he's even more vulnerable so the choice to go in there guns blazing and go to try and take down this final like fortress it's like it's even more so like oh my god he's gonna get it like he's gonna get it here for the the tragedy um of 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 freddie is gonna is gonna hit us so much harder but that's what's ultimately so satisfying it's that convergence with um figsy who comes back in to step in and just all the, the whole interplay of that scene just rocks and and then the coda of those two guys Fixie and freddie taking him driving him into the city and he's all freaking out and oh man he's like oh. panicked and and is and and then my children's like oh God, like oh sh- like oh, oh shit. shit yeah <laughs> yeah this cupcake didn't okay. just, this cupcake just made a mess he made he a mess. Four guys yeah and he's it's okay it's okay you know he's calming him down it's like and that's when tilden says why don't you come inside yeah he's saying you're one of us now yeah. you're a cop you're, a good you're cop. on the right yeah. side yeah but the 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 other thing that you brought that you kind of brought up blake is the, the small townness of like of course it's a stack of cards and no like the idea that no one can keep a secret in a small town like everyone knows the score in this town like fucking everybody and and the fact that that uh Rancone, Peter Berg's character, is having an affair with Kaitel's wife is like the most spectacularly, like irresponsibly scandalous thing in the whole world. Like I can't believe when 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 uh Freddie brings her trash to back to her yes, house and she's yes. like, You tell him you want to so- you know soil my sheets, you can you can have my trash. I'm like, I cannot believe they are playing this game of you know russian roulette with like the most corrupt violent dude in town and then siora perfectly balances moriarty's kind of sharp non-fuck givenness with like her beautifully kind of subdued broken bird vibe you know it's just it's a nice balance I love that Kathy Moriarty just doesn't give a fuck she's just like you tell him like she's telling freddie cuz it's almost like Everyone in the town knows that Freddie ain't going to say anything. Like mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. going to have the decorum and keep his mouth shut. Right. And they just have it's him sick. as like, he's, he's their punching bag of everything, of all the weight of all the town stuff. And the only way that he's been able to cope so far, as you said, Chris, he's blind, he's ignoring it. He he sees stuff and he chooses not to think about it. And it's, it, this is the perfect thing. And it's like, it's, it's just that synthesizes that idea that if you missed it, you know, like a sideways glance over to a bag of money and the Edie Falco character. This scene is like where you, where you absolutely get it. I'm going to throw this bombshell at you. And we're like, Whoa, Kathy Moriarty. Oh, yeah. Whoa, shit. She doesn't care. And it's like, Oh, like the, the infighting in this crew is going to come back to bite them because you know, this little incestuous town um, is exactly that. Oh yeah. All right. hundred percent agree. Let's, we got a lot of we got a lot of ground to cover this we got one. <laughs> a lot of ground to cover. We got a lot of ground to cover. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about our um really quickly talk about our two favorite characters. We're still going to save our quotes for last, but uh, I'm excited to get to our two legendary performances. We are going to perform a scene. This might actually have to be a new segment in the 2023 for us. I love this. All right, so let's get come back and we'll get to our two favorite characters.
All right, I think I know where Chris is going to go with this. Um, sure. Uh, so we'll we might save Chris for just a quick moment. Um, I I think after a year of kind of being immersed in Narc, which um, has just come out on Blu-ray, is this terrific box set called After Dark, the neo noir collection from Imprint Films. I got to write an essay on Joe Carnahan's Narc, and I think yeah. Ray Liotta always gets talked about as like, oh, he didn't get the performances. He didn't get this. And I'm just like, no, you just actually have to look at his career and look at the yeah. films that he kind of is ignored that he's um, magnificent in. And I think that, I think that Ray Liotta's Gary Figgis is one of my favorite of his characters of all time. Cause it lets him, it's, it's like, it's a quote that Chris McQuarrie sometimes says like hire good people, get out of their way. And James Mangold just gave him this on a platter and just goes, go to town, son. Like he yeah. is by far my favorite, my, my favorite in this movie. And, and that's obviously will Stallone will probably feature as either uh, our number one or an honorable mention. Um, but I want to shout out for my second favorite, Michael Rappaport. What yeah. a fantastic goddamn had, performance. Yeah. What a just absolutely pitch perfect. He's right at that age where he's super young. He's got that amazing organic shit talking kind of charm and his he's, fear his fear is just everything about it and and he kind of almost knows that his his life's over right from the moment that he makes this choice you know right and you know and that that look that he shares with freddie from the backseat of the car after the traffic stop uh, yeah i'm like they're my two right now, and I my they, my my favorites could change, but I'm going to say that right this very minute on the last watch, they're my two favorites. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was definitely um, Rappaport was there for me too. Um, he just he adds like a he's like he adds a well, he was young at the time, and he de definitely carries that energy of like 80s 90s New York City. He kind of always has. Uh, and a lot of his characters, he still does to this day. When you see him on his Instagram videos, he kind of comes from that era. So to be up against all these like, you know, veteran New Yorkers, uh, you know, the Scorsese crew and all of that, he just adds this perspective and he's the one that, you know, fucks up. Yes. Big time. Rob. Well, he's, he, he's, it's, it's interesting that you picked him because to he get, I think he's, he is the guy and he's believable. And like, I get strung out. Like, I think his performance is great. That kind of entitled New York mm -hmm. vibe. Um, ultimately he's a, he's a coward, right? He mm -hmm. is a coward who hides behind nepotism, mm -hmm. which, you know, something I uniquely understand personally <laughs> <laughs> um, and runs from consequences anywhere he can and is very stupid as a, he's a very stupid guy. Um, Especially when he's told, partying at his own wake. When he's oh, at his own wake. Partying at his own, exactly. It needs to be told <laughs> that he's not safe by his aunt. You know what I mean? He's like a, and Rappaport does stupid great. And I think he's a great actor. So if he ever hears this, like, please don't, like, what the fuck does it matter what I think? You I mean, his, <laughs> his career's great. Um, and he's wonderful, but not as interesting to me as, as some of the other characters, he's kind of like a foil for the plot, which I think he balances really well with what the thing mm. you said, like fear, cowardliness, uh, an example of the corruption and entitlement of the New York police, 
you know, how they see themselves as a blue line and, and how it becomes familial across race and class. That, even, that, but that, that's why I love him. He's though. a dumbass. That, he he's it a dumbass. plays into it. But that's why I love him. Yeah. Because it's that youthful entitlement and that next generation coming yeah. forward that he's getting all the nepotism benefits of this entire system. And then when he has to do what he has to do for the system, like actually, you know, get low, don't be out there. Don't do this stuff. He just, he continues to believe his own hype until the world, like until the, the world becomes real for him or the world that he's living in comes to into stark clarity when he almost gets freaking drowned. You know, he just like, you know, he's, he's like, I'm about to get killed. And so that's what I love about him is that awareness is like that next generation is you can either come up and ignore all of the privilege that you've had, but then there has to be a moment where you have to make a moral choice. And that's why I kind of like him uh, towards the end of the film. He is absolutely a foil, but I think that he's able to give some ground of reality to that of like, you actually have to be aware. You can't just keep your eyes and ears closed for like your whole life as to how you get to privileged situations. And in the, in the movie, he's doing that all the way up to his own wake, partying at your own wake. Um, he's like, we can yeah. do anything. I, you know, we can say that I'm dead. We can do this. There's investigations. People are losing their jobs, all this stuff. He doesn't care. But it's when it, the stark reality comes back to him, which is why I enjoy him. Because again, he's a guy who, you know, now goes in like funny things and he's like a sports commentator. And, you know, some of his best yeah. performances are like Instagram rants. But like back then, this was a guy who was like in this whole crew um, really just throwing his fastball so early with all yeah. of these other great No, actors. I mean, I'd be terrified to be in scenes with those guys. So oh my God. that fear is probably <laughs> true. And uh, he was great. And like biggest, what, is, you know, I think Ray Liotta is the unsung hero of this, uh, of this industry. I mean, he, he, it's poet. Yeah. He is like hard poetry on the eyes. Every time you see him, Blackbird is beautiful. I can't wait to see Cocaine Bear. And like this movie picks him. He has one of the greatest ever performances in the history of film as Henry Hill. And it, it, this movie picks up, picks him up where like Henry Hill is left off, which is like what happens when you stay corrupt too long. And Figgis is a guy who's always kept his mouth shut every time, you know, yeah. uh, he's incredible. He's, he's, he's the one looking at all those choices that Freddie Heflin is looking at now and seeing so many of them in his past that he's irredeemable. And then he, he has that moment in the car, like, oh, fucking, okay, shut, we, shut up, would you? He's mm -hmm. talking to his conscience, and he slams on the brakes oh, yeah. before he goes over that bridge to total self-absorption with his 200K, turns around and saves the day, like, uh, you know, like a Dean Martin in Rio Bravo. You know, he <laughs> suddenly gets sober. And um, anyway, I've gone on. I'm sorry. Who cares no. who my favorites are? Everyone's great. Edie Falco is amazing in one yeah. scene. Paul Calderon is incredible. Peter Berg is nuanced. Annabella Sciorra is so great. Uh, to me, you know, Method Man. Like, yeah, yeah. Even in that mo that small moment, like what you said about Mangold directing actors, he also allows people to be seen, even in that small moment, which is like coded pretty shittily towards crime and like the ultimate fear of these cops is a strong black man, essentially. Like, you see him saying, like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing here? You see yeah. a man instead of, for me at least, instead of just a villain. But, you know, this watch, again, my two favorites were 
Paul Calderon and Mo Tilden. Yeah. Name yeah. And, and Stallone is it's the best he's ever been. He'll ever be. Yeah. Even even that moment where he's so like he's like a, a lugubrious lion just walking so slowly. That final scene, right, where he's back under the bridge with a different point of view, looking out in the city. After it's like the epilogue to the epilogue. And then Noah Emmerich is still there. He says, there's a jackknife uh, truck on the highway. It's the first time you see Freddie moving fast, other than when he pulls on Robert Patrick. Yeah. He moves to the car quickly. He now has speed. He's got a reason, a motivation to move. But uh, yeah, De Niro's amazing. I mean, he's just like, he's always going to be my favorite. And Paul Calderon, Bosch, like everything I've seen him in after, he's, he's just so fun to watch. Um, and then um, I said Berg is more nuanced than, than, but but like the ice cold killer and Robert Patrick in this is really scary too. Yeah, I, lo- I love Robert Patrick just trying to hide T one thousand with facial hair and going into these really dark roles. Like <laughs> yeah, he's, he's that's the, he's on a tear for a few years with this. But I want to hear Chris. Let's talk to you. Let's talk about Freddie. Let's talk about Sly. Yeah. Uh, yeah pretty clear um yeah and just like big shout out to this whole kind of cast and i'll do it a little bit more uniquely because i've talked a lot about freddie already but i think the um you know uh the relationship between um you know annabella ciara is that how i pronounce her name yeah yeah uh and sylvester stallone is just was was so fun um i think the fact that you kind of have this other kind of sea story going on that he saved her life at one point and this is the reason he can't hear um, and he is this, this very pathetic character who is, is trying to get a win. Who's, I think what, and, and then that speaks to what I found so unique about the Stallone choices and the Stallone character, um, is that he's done great things. He's capable yes. of great things, but he hides it. And, um, I think that that is such a unique, uh, psychology to have. Um, it's something a lot of people, you know, I've wrestled with for sure. Oh, I've done something really great, but I don't want people to know about it. I don't brag about it. I'm not going to blast or, or talk about it. Um, and, and it was just so unique to kind of see that in a character. And like I said before, um, you just the entire time are, are rooting for him to kind of, to kind of overcome. And, and then I, I guess, you know, I wanted to then speak to, um, casting you know and and it was something that just came up when i was talking to you were listening to you rob but i always wonder that when i'm watching a film you know i'll watch something and ryan will be like oh this this guy is so annoying or or what you know what's going on here like why are they not acting you know and and i always wonder if it's actually intentional from the casting's perspective of that you know either it's obviously you can say well this is bad acting or this is invoking the emotion in you to really not I, i used to have an acting teacher who would say that you know We'd finish a scene, shout out to Bill Howie, rest in peace. You know, we'd finish a scene and it would be really uncomfortable in the room. And he would always go, you know, that should have been a fucking hard scene to watch. That shouldn't have been easy to watch because it's so awkward and uncomfortable. And so I always wondered that when I see films and casting um, and if there was an intention behind it to kind of be a color within the palette of the film. Um, But yeah, I, I could go on forever. Um, and, and I'll keep talking about Stallone throughout this cast, but yeah, he just was so cool. And I think he wasn't the first choice None. for the character, but clearly the best choice. He put on all that weight, that big, the big clothes, those close-ups of his face, just kind of like 
doing absolutely nothing but listening and not really sure. like doing a big job of actively listening. Like you're not, you're never sure what's penetrating Freddie until the end. You know, it's like a real slow burn with the guy, an incredible light but, touch to not a trademark Salona. Riley Otta originally wanted she- uh, to be Sheriff Freddie Heflin and Stallone mm-hmm. was going to be Figsy. And, Interesting. And so there was that. Um, yeah, he, it's still. Lo- he he then and then Stallone eventually turned down. He turned down two films, um, two nineteen ninety six films. He's actually going to be in a razor, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, but he turned down Knife Edge and and then a razor, um, and then he he came into this. That's yes. great. Eraser was great too. I love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's a silly, great. silly great movie. Anyways, yeah, I, I just yeah, there's something about that. And even that too, the listening thing, I, it's a quality that I had when I was younger, I think. And I know other people who have it where they're like, well, I'm not acting, but I'm listening to everything you're saying. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. this, it's this, it's like, it's this psychology of like know-it-allness or, you know, I'm okay because I'm aware of everything, you know, but he also is not doing the right thing. It's very detrimental to himself. So it's, it was, and just, you, you don't know. Right. You don't right. know if, if it's just this forced sleepwalking or, or his partial deafness or his like yeah, uh, his... bureaucratic inertia within this town, his the trappings of not being able to be a real cop. And, you know, that conversation with Frank Vincent and, and Harvey Keitel about Freddie, this is how things happen. Like, yeah, but... being silent would be a big benefit. It's just he's. Yeah. It's a you're surpri- always surprised by what he does because you just don't know what he's going to do. He he plays on his impediment, Rob. I think you're so right. Like that's what now yeah. that I keep watching this movie and Chris, I can't wait to for us to continue our text threads of you watching Copland again. Feel free anytime to text <laughs> at any time of the world to say you're watching Copland and probably convince me to do the same. But I feel like it's like when someone has an injury or someone has an affliction or someone has something, they can be defined by it in one of two ways. They can use it as the excuse for how they're going to conduct their life going forward, or they can use it as a motivation to overcome. And I feel like Freddie for the longest time in his early life, which we don't see is trying to overcome the fact that he's deaf in one ear and he wants to be a cop and he finally gets this job. And then as he's gotten so comfortable and he's, you know, uh, uh, he's, he's now older it's it's the it's the reason that he can have plausible deniability. He can just go, mm-hmm. I'm deaf to it. I'm deaf to it. I can't hear everything. And it's like, no, Freddie, your hearing in that other ear is just as acute as it's always been, my man. And like, you yeah. need to open that ear. Like, oh, yes, it's an impediment, but your eyes are working pretty good. You know, Dude, your eyes yeah. are working pretty good in this town. It's not just the fact that you can hear things that are being whispered. And and that that exchange with Figgis in the bar right from the outset is like. Good. He might be have lost hearing, but his eyesight is acute as ever. And it's so yeah. that's that yeah. thing. It's the great balance of like, have you let the thing that has defined your motivation in your early life become the thing that you use it to blind you, like to 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 stay in yeah. this point of stasis and comfort? And that really speaks true. And it's hard and it's scary. Well, Blake, it's so interesting that you say that because it. it connects him very pointedly, which which Mangold does visually with Babbage and uh, Stallone with their uh, with Freddie with their nose bandage, right? They they take on the same look. 
And they are both guys. Babbage saved, you know, quote, five black babies or something. And then there's that weird mashed potatoes don't make gravy line about it, which which I think points to the fact that both these guys have this heroic deed in the past that they've been skating on in this world where they think, you know, their their bona fides are, you know, met and they don't have to work anymore. And it's a naive point of view that who you become is metered out every day. And Mo Tilden says that specifically about Ray Conlon, right? Yeah. He makes that point. He said he used to be a, a, a big collar man. Yes. And he made lots of arrests. And somewhere along the way, I don't know what happened. I mean, that's a paraphrase of the line. He, You're you only know, as good as your next happened job. along the way. Yeah. 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 What, you are who you are today. And yeah. ultimately, that's what both Freddie finds out and decides, and so does Figgins. Yeah. And that's why we love them. Yeah. It, it resonated on a lot of levels, and, and you guys are totally true. That 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 is it. And I think that, that you know, as, as anyone who's awake and growing older, you can't help but watch that role and go, oof, I've been there. You know? Yeah. Well, and so, right, well, right now, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and do something that we've never done to just put ourselves a little bit outside of our comfort zone. Me is saying the role of director and my two substitutes for Rayleigh Otter and Sylvester Stallone, Rob Belushi and Chris Candy are going to come back and do a scene that I've picked out for them. Um, I, I think this scene has everything. So I can't wait uh, for us to do it together and, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, guys, welcome back to Too Much Movie. This, uh, I, I'm saying the role of James Mangold um, here, which is almost as scary as uh, Chris Candy's role as Sylvester Stallone's Freddy and, uh, <laughs> and Rob Belushi's role as Ray Liotta as Figsy. We are on 100, page 106 of the Copland script from the 3rd of June, 1996, a revised edition. We are exterior, the charred remains of Figsy's house, nighttime. In the moonlight, the roof burn away, the stars shine down upon a charred toaster, potholders, a wall fragment. At the center of this box of moonlight, Freddie Heflin sits, fingering a small charred device. He examines it, tear, tears in his eyes, a browning out flashlight. Now, Rob, your whole life is gone. You've taken $200,000 as Figsy. The woman that you love by a scheduling accident is dead and you've just been ignoring that this prospect has even come over you. You've like found this cheap way out, but the price of $200,000 is a life. And Chris, you as Freddie, just like when you first saw Copland, you've just been in a COVID haze. Everything that you've been watching in your life <laughs> is a mess. It's like you're swimming in mud and now finally something is cutting through the clarity of your life situation is just coming into sharpest sharpest focus gentlemen i'll read all of the scene directions you guys can take the lines the first line mr belushi is with you when you're ready i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be like eastwood when you're ready i like just like when you're ready Give us a give us an Eastwood when you're ready, Rob. Like not, you know, he doesn't say action. Doesn't want to scare the horses. 
when they're ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. What's up? Freddie turns startled. He smiles, sorrowful. That lady cop bomb squad, right? Soldier these caps and a timer. Guess you figured with Superboy, you figured you were covered if you could just act like Marlon Brando, keep me busy, old Freddie. Old Freddie's too stupid to suspect anything. He didn't know she was coming over that night, did you? Big shakes his head, beginning to wait. She said she was going to her friends to watch pay-per-view. The thing was on a timer. I didn't know she'd be here. She'd still be alive if that bullshit power still held water. That diagonal rule is bullshit, Gary. Figs turns and wanders, slump back towards his car. Till you need it, Freddy. Till you need it. I don't need traffic tips. I need help. But Figs keeps walking towards his car. I'm going to bring Superboy in. And for once, we're all going to go tell the truth. You got to find him first, Freddy. Before they do. Fig shakes his head, opens the door to his car. He lights a cigarette, looks at the lights of the great city across the river, back at it. Freddy alone in the moonlight. Freddy, I got in my pocket a check for 200 grand. I got a chance, okay, to start my life again. I do not give a shit about this town or that town or justice. Being right is not a bulletproof vest, Freddy! A light flicks on in a nearby house. Freddy says nothing. Biggs gets in his car. Slam. He starts to drive off. Well, I don't and know. And scene. <laughs> and scene. Fantastic. You guys are sensational. And for listeners of the show, you're just going to have to keep an eye out on our one, eight minute socials. You might see the scene cut together. We might cut this scene together so you can see the acting play off. Um, gentlemen, that was absolutely outstanding. Thank you so much. That's so good. It's a deep we, and dark motherfucker. Oh man. So good. Being right. is not a bulletproof best, Freddie. That was, gave me chills. That, that. It's all bullshit. That that li- that line again. This is the Liotta touches, like, like saying his name again, Freddie, Freddie, Freddie. Yeah, like, that that has such a great thing, and it's actually not even in the it's not even in the script. So bravo to both of you. Let's uh let's wrap this bad boy up. I'm so proud of you both for doing that. Let's wrap this bad boy up uh, with our two favorite quotes from the movie in just a quick moment. All right, I think, and this is not not just me, you know, sucking up to our friend Rob Belushi, but I think my favorite line is maybe that line that I chose for you guys in this scene, which is like, being right is not a bulletproof press, Freddie. It just, everything is, that's, that. you could say that line in any cop movie, in any Western, in anything, and I would be in. I'm like, the, the philosophy of this movie gets it. I love that line so much. Chris, what's your favorite line? Favorite lines in this? I movie. have two. I have one. I remember seeing it, um, and I don't remember where I got it from. I'll just say I have in for a penny, in for a pound. Figs. Figs. Figs says it's that. Figs to Conlon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that line. Don't but... shut me out, Ray. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, 
And then it's it's the it's you know come on I'm I'm so typical this episode but it's it's the end of the film. I can't hear you, Ray. <laughs> like I I just it, it oh it's like God. it's it it's it's the best. It's it you know the fun thing about this pod has been revisiting great movies and that is just a great line from a movie and it's you know it's it's just it speaks volumes it's it's only a few words but it it encompasses no, so much it, it does i mean because his deafness is what made him dependent on ray and made him safe for ray and now his deafness is what is lethal for ray yeah and it's incredible it's such great. a good line such a good yeah line. but yeah that that's me i love that and 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 uh and just so you know Rob, you're a great actor. I love doing that with you. Yeah, that was oh, so fun, Rob. On. That was so good. We're gonna do. We're gonna find more scenes where you get to be Ray Liotta. Um, and I can and I can reveal here. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna reveal something here, Rob. Next year, when our, well, I think like we could call her like our sister from another Mister Jen Johans. I think that's fair yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, Jen and I are working on a series called Midnight Run Through, and. The great Dennis Farina has passed away. So obviously you can't interview him for Midnight Run. Uh, but Rob Belushi is going to essay the role of Dennis Farina in wow. that series. So we are Love going it. last movie stars with the Midnight Run through series. And Rob is our <laughs> Dennis Farina. So you're going to hear his audio acting. And maybe we might throw up a couple of clips of Rob doing Farina for you guys if you're, if you're lucky enough. I love this. And I think if we do more too much movies next year we have to this has to be a new segment we have to get you two doing a scene from the movie this is what we have to what? do i love it i love it and Look, can i do my favorite line real quick please, please do please do i've only got one more after my uh, one that i mentioned before so go on we've talked about some great ones obviously this is an incredible script almost every line is beautiful heartbreaking or funny but the just to send up Gary Figgis and Ray Liotta, maybe my favorite actor, may he rest in peace. Um, when he, when him and Freddie are talking all comfortable, like in their jammies uh, <laughs> about the diag, you know, going diagonal, you don't take Broadway to go to Broadway, Freddie, you know, and the beer can <laughs> turned over. Um, he's sitting on the couch with his feet up, smoking a cigarette and at his most like philosophical and wistful, his description of like corruption in the po in police and in life is summed up with it's a deep and dark motherfuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I just yep. love it. Yeah. Uh. I I I wanna say just one Motilden Motilden like beat, which is in that great scene where like you blew it. The 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 scene where he says the line where he says, My hands are tied now. My hands are tied now. I'm like, that's my favorite line. It's so silly. It's now a meme. My hands, my hands are tied now. My hands are tied now. Like he the does way this too. <laughs> my hands you are tied shut now. me down. My hands are tied now. <laughs> that's the promo for this episode. Yeah. My hands are you tied. You shut now. me down. My hands are tied now. My hands are tied now. <laughs> I love that he splits his sandwich with his partner in front of yeah, Freddie. It's, it's like it's... the most demeaning. Like, uh, I do not even have time to put my sandwich down. Yeah, I do not exactly. even have time to put my sandwich down. It also looked like the most like tasteless bread. I was watching him like that looks like the most this this nothing in a sandwich. Bag, in a, yeah. What 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 
what comes in a brown paper bag for Mo Tilden is very different <laughs> than what comes in a brown paper bag for Ray Khan. It's yeah, a exactly. sandwich with no napkins and nothing but lettuce. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Oh my God. So, yeah, I, so great. So I loved this movie, guys. This one was just it, 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 it's, it struck a lot of chords that I didn't expect. Um, and it was a moment of cinematic clarity in a time when I was just, you know, it, COVID does so many things to your body, but it really brings on a big old bout of confusion and depression while you're you're sitting there just waiting to test negative and get back out in the world. So, so Copland yeah. was was a really great uh, oasis of of film, and. Um, you know, I will I will rate it up there. Um, I used to be in this film class in college where we every Friday night would watch a Billy Wilder movie, and it would we'd watch Billy Wilder Prince at five, and uh, and then we'd go out that night, and it was the most fun time in the movie theaters ever for me. And watching Copland evoked that sense of oh, there it. What is that? Step like seventeen. <laughs> oh my God! There it is. Yeah, the, uh, that there was you know. It, it Wilder's that's a whole other thing, but Copland just evoked that sense of watching. And, and I have to say, we're coming up on one year of this show. Sure and uh, I have just really appreciated having that kind of uh, movie going experience again, be it in my own home. This has been so much fun, gentlemen. I love you both. This is great. Before we wrap up, it's coming up. We started with LA Confidential at the beginning of this year, so it would feel remiss of us not to give some bloody Christmas recommendations for some people who are listening. Obviously, we've done LA Confidential, um, but we I have to ask, do you guys have any uh, Christmas movies? And I want to quickly give, just to introduce the segment, I want to emphatically recommend one of my favorite movies of about the last decade. If you have not seen... The Mads Mikkelsen movie, Riders of Justice, which is absolutely oh, a Christmas no. movie. Oh. That is a movie that I'm recommending to this Too Much Movie crew because if we were ever to go into another decade, that movie is absolutely too, too much. And I, I absolutely my favorite thing that I saw in a year where like another round was like close by and those sorts of things. But Riders of Justice... Um, Chris, you could you could seek it out. I think it's, it's on, on, on like it's on Hulu or iTunes or something like that in the states. It's amazing. So there's my recommendation for a, a great Christmas movie. Will uh, uh, what a, Soul Destroyer, a great one. What a great movie, man! I saw that movie. I couldn't believe how good it was. Of like I can't a believe how Hillian breakdown of masculinity. It was like mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay, I gotta check this out. Yeah. For, for anyone who doesn't know the premise, a soldier played by Mads Mikkelsen is away at war. He's coming home late for a, a family event. And unfortunately, his wife passed away on a train accident. It just so happens that on that same train, a survivor is a like a theoretical mathematician who starts to theorize that it, it was impossible for that train to crash in the way that it crashed. And he felt like there were some people that were involved. And they become unlikely friends and join forces and they find out that there is a gang called the Riders of Justice who may have been responsible for derailing the train and he starts to take out vigilante justice. But it's like, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It is a well of broken masculinity and it is such a look at just the beautiful, strange coincidences of life. And I feel like when I 
talk to you guys. One strange Twitter conversation builds this podcast out of it. And I feel like the butterfly wings that cause tsunamis aren't articulated as powerfully as they are in writer's justice um, very, very often. And I, I, I love it to pieces and I, I want to recommend it to everyone. Uh, and it's a Christmas I, movie. I second that. Watch that for Christmas because the message is the ties that bind us are vulnerability and honesty and nothing else matters. Yeah, I love it. What a great Matt Nicholson is a fucking G, dude. There is no one. I don't think there's a better actor working today. He's a oh, fucking and like, legend. Not tough on the eyes. <laughs> oh, that no. old Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> oh, like, I gotta like, watch this. Eat me, man. Eat me. <laughs> I was watching Hannibal like fucking, ooh, I'm sending him recipes for like, you know, soup du rab. And, uh, well, I would have to recommend then. I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, oh, here we go. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure I got the names right. I'm going to throw just a few at you guys. Um, I, I've, I've used these to get me through this uh, fun time of year. Um, watched a couple of them coming up, and I've just really appreciated them. Um, you know, if you uh, want to feel what it's like to be in L.A. during the holiday season in the late 90s, I uh, highly recommend watching the movie Swingers. <laughs> that is <laughs> absolutely great. a Christmas movie. Starts off with just these, and if anything, just watch maybe the first five minutes of the movie, get through the title sequence, and then... You can go over to a movie I just watched last night for the for oh well in, in a long time. Uh, Steve Martin's Mixed Nuts is a very funny movie. Ooh, I um, seen that I one seen that since Betamax, Chris. Jesus. Yeah, that so one. Yeah, that one is just like you're gonna be feeling like you're living in Venice Beach uh, in a little bungalow, hanging out. Good comedy, funny Adam Sandler stuff. Some good Gary Shandling stuff going on in that movie. Um, really great film. Good comedy, um, and then I'll just throw two more at you you can definitely revisit skip tim allen's santa claus and go right to the uh, huddleston david huddleston santa claus film Rewatched that one recently it is a weird one and uh it, it definitely warms <laughs> the heart and when you're in between that week of uh, christmas and new year's and you have no idea what to do i cannot recommend the ken burns pbs documentary on uh, uh prohibition it is so wild and interesting and america is the most fucking insane country this stock does an amazing job of talking about all kinds of things and if you have time to kill this is the one to watch i'm officially ken burns is old you know like it's just right. like if you recommend ken burns anything i'm like yeah okay Good. yeah done sold the, Go on Amazon the right now of, to buy the Blu-ray. Uh, of organized crime baby yeah um, it's it's great so those are great. Those are great, guys. Look, uh, I'll give you two. We all know Die Hard is a Christmas movie and maybe the best of all time. Kiss, mm -hmm. Kiss, Bang, Bang, incredible. But what we don't talk about enough to really revisit what it was like to travel before the TSA is Die Hard 2. A great <laughs> yes. movie that is not yeah. talked about enough. Incredible. Dennis Franz, baby. That is friends. I think shit on a lot and incredible Christmas movie, uh, not just the time of year and the snow and the fucking jet skis, but also that cramped ass uh, airport that we all remember with the cigarettes and the fax machines, yeah. number one. And number two, I'm not a big, uh, uh, strangely a huge, I'm not really a huge comedy lover. This will probably be the only comedy I ever recommend, but it's my favorite Christmas movie and maybe my favorite comedy. Um, uh, or definitely 
definitely up there. And that is Bad Santa, a Terry oh. Zweigoff film. Oh, yeah. It, it's like the profane poetry of, of an incredible character performance wrapped around a crime movie with a just standout juvenile performance from, you know, I'm going to make you some sandwiches, boy. I forget. Oh, his name is Thurman Merman. Thurman the, the Merman. Yes, Thurman Merman. The, the two, this, uh, also Bernie Mac, rest in peace, is a fantastic yeah. in it. John Ritter, rest in peace, incredible in it. Oh my God, and, John uh, Ritter is everything in that movie. He's sensational. Uh, laugh, yeah, laughs per minute. That, uh, also, um, shit, uh, God, what's her name? Plays Opal. Incredible oh, actor. Uh, from uh, Ma. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, it's a great movie. Matt Walsh is actually in that movie. The uh, I uh, the UCB comedian. He's in that film as well. There's a lot of good cameos. Yeah, see, oh movie. Tony Cox, Octavia Spencer. Why did I yeah fall out on her? Tony Cox is in it. He's so fucking funny. Lauren Graham. Well, if you have got nothing to do this holidays, you're looking for some some lists. Uh, the bloody Christmas list, I think, is you're not going to find a better one underneath the tree this year. No, that, get get some of that. I'm go, I'm going to buy Ken Burns stuff right now, and I need to watch Bad Santa again. I goddamn love that movie. That's a Christmas tradition. Gentlemen, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for your time. And guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next year. We're not getting out of the 90s just yet, man. We have so many more to do, so much fun. And now, particularly, I have so many two-hander scenes that I need these guys to perform for us. So that's going to be my mission over the break. But I love you guys, and we'll probably be back around February. There's lots going on with One Heat Minute Productions, and I'm taking a little bit of a break um, after Heat 2 Book Club and then Podcaster and Commander. And so uh, we'll catch you guys sometime early in the new year. Thanks for all you do, Blake. Stay safe. Have a wonderful new year. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks, Blake. All love. Enjoy your summer. Let it snow, let it snow and snow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.